Welcome everyone to episode 9 of Campus Pep Talk by IBA. The month of May marks Brain Tumor Awareness Month, and we're joined today by Dr. Helen Shi, radiation oncologist and medical director at Massachusetts General Hospital, who specializes in brain cancers. This is actually a very new and I think exciting uh, opportunity for proton therapy to be uh, used in uh, cancer care. Historically, or up to this point, um, proton therapy has been a scarce resource. And so a lot of uh, centers, the few centers that had protons, really tried to identify the patient population um, that could benefit the most from proton therapy. Helen Shi is a practicing radiation oncologist at Massachusetts General Hospital. Prior to MGH, Dr. Shi earned her undergraduate degree in biology at Brown University and medical school education at the University of Pennsylvania, where she also earned a master's degree in cell and molecular biology. She completed an internship year at Beaumont Hospital in Royal Oak, Michigan, before radiation oncology residency at MGH. She has a master's in public health from the Harvard School of Public Health, and Dr. Shi remained on staff at MGH after her training and is the director of the Central Nervous System and Eye Services. She cares for the full range of patients with benign to malignant diagnoses in both primary and metastatic diseases. She is a professor of radiation oncology at Harvard Medical School and is the medical director of the MGH Proton Therapy Centers. Her research interests are in clinical and translational efforts to better define the role of radiation therapy in the management of her broad spectrum of patients. Subspecialty interests include improving our understanding and use of proton therapy and understanding the effects of ionizing radiation on normal tissues, primarily the brain, and how best to reduce the risk of radiation-associated injury. Yet another area of interest is addressing drug addiction through education to reduce stigma, novel research efforts towards better prevention and treatment, and advancing community-based services. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Shi. Thank you for having me. So as we mentioned, the month of May is Brain Tumor Awareness Month. And while you are the medical director of proton therapy at MGH, you also specialize in understanding the effects of radiation specifically to the brain and reducing radiation-associated injury. So could you tell us a bit more about what effects radiation therapy and more specifically proton therapy have on the brain? Sure. Um, well, radiation therapy has been used for decades to treat a variety of conditions in the brain, specifically brain tumors, both malignant uh, and benign, as well as other indications. So we know there's a lot of utility therapeutically um, in, in treating these patients, but we also know from these experiences that treating the entire brain with radiation can also have detrimental effects. Um, we see people become tired, the fatigue can last long, um, sometimes people never really re fully recover. It can also have cognitive effects, um, memory um, deficits, and really ultimately affects people's quality of life. And so we know when we treat just a little spot, like using techniques like stereotactic radiosurgery, you can give a high dose to a little spot, we don't cause those symptoms. So somewhere in that gradient of treating the entire brain and causing bad effects, even at lowish dose, um, to treating very small spots, we can really help preserve people's quality of life and cognitive function, which is the key um, injury I think people um, fear the most from radiation, whether it's protons or photons. Um, other things also that are, are concerns are things like hearing, um, vision, um, our hormonal function is controlled by our pituitary gland. So all of these things um, can impact our quality of life um, if too much radiation is given to these areas. 
And something else that I found was an interesting topic last time we spoke was palliative care. So could you tell us a little bit about the use of protons for palliative care? Sure. This is actually a very new and I think exciting uh, opportunity for proton therapy to be uh, used in uh, cancer care. Historically, or up to this point, um, proton therapy has been a scarce resource. And so a lot of uh, centers, the few centers that had protons, really tried to identify the patient population um, that could benefit the most from proton therapy. And oftentimes these would be rare aggressive tumors um, or people who we felt like would have the greatest number of quality of life years to benefit from proton radiation, which made a lot of sense. But that doesn't mean people who are um, non-curative, who are palliative, couldn't benefit from it also, from the same principles, that if protons can um, be confined better to the areas you want to treat and then reduce the amount of normal tissue exposed to radiation and reduce those side effects, we could actually give people who have limited time to live, maybe they only have months to live, but to give them better quality of life um, by reducing the side effects from radiation, or in some cases, by at least making them eligible to receive radiation treatment. Sometimes patients who are in palliative care are so weak um, and have so little reserve that radiation is not considered an opportunity for palliation, but with protons, we can. And we see that in liver tumors, we see that in lung tumors, um, and also, I think, in the brain. There is some data that's very exciting uh, that's coming out prospectively. Some of it has been published from Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, and I think we're going to continue to see more of doing cranial spinal radiation for leptomeningeal disease. This is something we don't usually do with photons because of the toxicity and side effects from photons, but protons may allow us to preserve people's energy, their blood counts, and make this um, a, a good use of protons. And we have additional data also with treating brain metastases. If you're treating a, a great number of brain metastases, um, the amount of normal or unaffected brain that's exposed to radiation increases with photons, and this can be limited with proton radiation, again, improving pa patients' um, quality of life, their energy. And actually, another concept that's come out too is lymphopenia, that you know, the more brain that's exposed to radiation, the more we drop people's blood counts, particularly their white counts. And we can preserve this better and how they do um, overall, I think, with protons. How does that play a role with insurance repayment? Is palliative care uh, more challenging of a sell for insurance companies? Absolutely. So this remains a challenge, a very large challenge. Um, we already have huge challenges uh, getting insurance approval for highly curative cases with um, um, with coverage with proton therapy, just on the basis of trying to preserve, better preserve people's quality of life, um, which unfortunately hasn't been as convincing of a metric uh, for coverage, for proton therapy coverage. Um, so certainly once we look in the palliative setting, I think um, it has been extraordinarily challenging. I would love to learn from the centers who have been successful in doing this, particularly for things like cranial spinal irradiation. Um, I think these are um, techniques or tactics that we could all learn from each other. I think for things like brain metastases, it's been a little bit easier because the billing codes are same for photons or protons uh, for some of the treatments, so that has made it easier. Um, but hopefully with time, if we can convince um, uh, insurance companies on the value of even end-of-life care and quality of that limited time, that we will be able to advance uh, and get for a better coverage in the future.
So we know that protons can provide pretty exceptional benefits to a growing number of patients, but this treatment doesn't come without challenges. So could you tell us a little bit more about some of the challenges that you face working with protons? Yes, absolutely. So there's, of course, there's always challenges. Um, and there are a variety of diverse challenges. I think um, one of the ones that comes back to um, it's a little bit of combination of insurance, but also just what physicians and referring physicians and, and patients want to know is where's the data. So there's very little, almost uh, no prospective clinical data on proton therapy for brain tumor patients or other types of patients as well. And if that's your gold standard uh, for determining whether um, protons uh, should be applied for the management um of um, brain tumor patients or other types of patients, then that's lacking. Um, in addition, if we say, okay, we're going to go ahead and put together these studies, a lot of protons um, uh, indications is to improve long-term quality of life, particularly for brain tumor patients. And if we were to do this, it would take years to get that data. So what do we do with the patients today? Can we extrapolate um, that, you know, based on the rationale, such as what is done uh, at the, the Netherlands, where they do a model-based approach, where we can do our best guesstimate uh, on the benefit. Will that be good enough? It hasn't been for, I think, most uh, insurance companies to date. And, and also, if we put these studies together today and we say, okay, we're really going to wait for that mature data, if it takes us 10 or 20 years to get the mature data, that might not reflect, and it probably won't reflect the technology we have then as compared to now. We'll be always antiquated uh, in, in our um, between getting the data, prospective data we need, and the technology we have at hand. And what is MassGen currently doing to address some of these challenges? So we are trying to still address all of these. I think Mass Journal, where we've um, been employing protons for over 60 years, um, it's um, it is too bad that we have not been um, uh, greater leaders in producing some of that prospective data um, in years past, but I think the impetus was never there. Um, approval for insurance was an issue once upon a time when you're the only center doing it, uh, and now in hindsight it would have been nice to, but of course you're back to that uh, chick that problem of like, well, then even if we had done it then, it would have been very old technology and that no one uses today, so would it have been relevant? Who knows? So we are trying to bridge the gap by reporting our retrospective data. It's better than nothing. And also participating in some of and leading several of the prospective trials also in randomized protons, photons for prostate cancer, breast cancer, and participating in a number of the other studies as well as institutional-led studies. Um, we have worked with uh, insurance providers also in terms of insurance carriers in terms of trying to negotiate and to better understand a knowledge gap and the need and value for proton therapy. Um, and I think uh, other uh, elements that are also challenging are, are ultimately the cost and access uh, to care. We are expanding our um, proton um, center. We have had a two gantry system in the past. We have a third um, uh, room that has recently um, uh, become accessible too, which has allowed us to increase our capacity to treat more patients. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Shi. It was a pleasure having you and hearing your insights. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. If you're not already doing so, please subscribe and follow Campus Pep Talk on our campus website, campus-iba.com, or on your favorite streaming platform, Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, or Facebook Podcasts. See you on our next episode. Mm-hmm.